Happy New Year, everybody. Every every kind of early January, we always have a uh, verse of the year as I wrestle with the sort of technology, um, and um, and we have this wonderful, wonderful verse in Isaiah 40. And I hope and I pray that this verse, this message, reverberates throughout the year for us. Just um, like a dog is not just for Christmas. A verse of the year is not just for us, you know, Sunday in January. It's not meant to be. It's meant to be for the whole year. But if that's going to happen for us, then we're going to need to pray for it. So as we begin, let's just, we've done quite a bit of praying already. Let's pray just again, just one more time to invite the Holy Spirit here uh, and to speak to us. <clears throat> Lord, we thank you for your word, your word that has come down through the ages, actually. But I thank you that it's new for us this morning. I thank you that you want to speak to us something that, because it's our theme, our verse of the whole year, that is something, Lord, that you would have us not just hear, but respond to. Lord, I just pray for your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that you will open our ears and our hearts that we might hear you. Speak, Lord, because your servants were here and we're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was, there was once a guy called uh, Charles Blondin, and he lived about 150 years ago. And Charles Blondin was a tightrope um, you know, walker. And 150 years ago, he came across to America and he hung a hemp cord across Niagara Falls, 1,100 feet across, 160 feet above the falls, no safety net. And he told everybody that he was going to cross it. And even without social media, a crowd of of nearly 100,000 people showed up to, to watch him do this. And they watched him as he went inch by inch, step by step, across this massive gap. And the crowd roared. They loved it. And so he came back and he got a chair and, and he took it and he, and he put it halfway across and he balanced on this chair halfway across. The crowd went nuts. And then he went back and he got a Bunsen burner and he set it up halfway across and he got a frying pan and he made an omelette halfway across. And the crowd just was going crazy over this. And, and so Charles Blondin then got out a wheelbarrow and he shouted across this massive crowd of 100,000 people, do you believe I can go across with this wheelbarrow? And the crowd roared. Of course they believed. They'd seen all he could do. And so he, he, he turned to this massive crowd and he shouted over them. He said, okay, who's going to get in the wheelbarrow? 100,000 people went silent. And then one man, he was called Harry Colcord, he stepped forward and he got in the wheelbarrow. And, and everybody watched as they went step by step inch by inch across this massive gap and the crowd went crazy but the crowd didn't get in the wheelbarrow a hundred thousand people said they believed in Charles Blondin but only one in a hundred thousand got in the wheelbarrow and most of us here today would say that we believe in Jesus we trust in him we rely on him but what are we going to do when he asks us to get in the wheelbarrow. 
And this verse of the year is a wonderful, wonderful verse, but no verse in Scripture ever sits in isolation. And so we must take the whole chapter, actually, to understand fully the meaning of this verse and the application to us. And, and this, the prophet Isaiah, who lived in the time of the Assyrian invasion, um, but this prophecy in Isaiah 40 was actually for, for, for the exiles who had gone into exile in Babylon, which was over a hundred years after Isaiah. And, and this, this um, uh, you know, prophecy in Isaiah 40 is given to a people in exile who have been in exile for so long they have virtually given up hope of ever going back home. This prophecy is for people who have seen their, their city, Jerusalem, sacked, the um, um, temple utterly destroyed, their homes burnt, the people sort of scattered. It's a people who are devastated by trauma, bewildered by their circumstance, struggling with their faith. It's a prophecy given to people who are weary and downtrodden, who feel weak and overlooked, who are wondering who or what they can rely on. They are in the wheelbarrow swaying over Niagara Falls and they're trying to figure out who or what they can rely on. And of the, first, the so 32 verses in Isaiah 40, most of the first 27 verses are spent reminding God's people that when time gets tough, that we are tempted to rely on a whole bunch of other things. And Isaiah makes a whole list of them. One of those things is other people. Verse 6, we are tempted to rely on other people. Surely we can rely on other people. Isaiah says you can't rely on them. People are like, are like grass. They Grass withers, flowers fall. You can't rely on people. Another thing is the nations, verses 15 and 17, you know, civilizations, those things which seem to go on forever, strong, unyielding. Isaiah says you can't rely on them. Nations are like a drop in a bucket, like dust on scales. Another thing is idols, verses 18 and 19, and Isaiah is, is withering about these. He, he says these things are wood and, and, and metal, they're here one day, they're melted, they're next. You can't rely on them. Final one is powerful people, rulers and princes, verses 23 and 24. Surely we can rely on powerful people. No, you can't, says Isaiah. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, God blows on them and they are gone. In 2022, we had three prime ministers in this country. We know this too well. We can't rely on powerful people. When we're in the wheelbarrow, we can't rely on any of this stuff. And then the prophet asked a question that he's asked many times before, and many other prophets have asked this. Why do we look for reassurance from these things, the weak and inconsistent and transient things? Why do we do that? And if Isaiah had asked this question for those people 100 years from us, I mean, when he gave this I mean, prophecy, as they languished in Babylon, they you know, would have said to him, are you kidding? Look around us. Temple gone, nation gone, houses trash, people scattered. Why do I rely on other stuff? Because God doesn't care for us anymore. How can I rely on him if everything has gone wrong? And God's people down the ages have often answered this question in this same way. How can I rely on him if everything has gone wrong? How can I rely on him when I've lost my job or my marriage is in a mess? or my daughter has cancer, or 
No matter what I do, every morning I wake up, all I feel is darkness and despair and depression. There are times, says Isaiah in verse 27, that we do not believe that the Lord sees us. We do not believe that he cares for our plight or has an answer to our particular trial or amongst eight billion people and counting, our little life stands out. My individual path is any different from any other one or has any value. My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. And what is the answer to all this? You know, he spent 27 verses telling us those things that we tend to rely on and the reasons that we rely on them. And then just four verses that that end with some of the most beautiful verses in all of scripture in this chapter. Let me just read them again to you. Do you not know, he says, have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to those who are weary and increases the power of those who are weak. Even youths, even powerful young people grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Have you not heard, he says? Have you forgotten? Do you not know? Have you forgotten the years of of God's intervention and blessing and support, says Isaiah? Have you forgotten the plagues of Egypt? Have you forgotten the crossing of the Red Sea on dry land, being pursued by the most powerful army in the ancient world? Have you forgotten those desert world and, and desert years, the 40 years in a dry, inhospitable place where God fed three million people daily with food and water? Have you forgotten those times of Hezekiah when you're threatened by again the greatest army? me in the ancient world but God saved you from that have you forgotten and for us today have you forgotten have you forgotten that moment when you were set free your sin and your failure and shame washed away by God's forgiveness in the worries and cares of daily ground have you forgotten that you're a child of God your sin does not define you your past does not overhang you your, your failures do not cripple you. Have you forgotten those times of God's intervention in your life, those times of answered prayer, those times of clear discernment? Amongst eight billion people, you do stand out. Your path is not hidden. Your cause is not disregarded. Have you not heard? Have you forgotten? Do you not know? And to whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Lord? Of all those things you tend to rely on, who is equal to me? There's nothing else we can rely on, my friends. There's nothing out there in heaven or earth or under the earth, no person or political system or ideology, no object or pursuit or hobby, no activity or diversion, no power, no influence, no nothing in the whole flow of history, nothing, nothing, nothing can compare to the Lord our God. Lift up your eyes, says verse 26. Look to the heavens. Who created all this stuff? Who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel? Why do you say, Frank? 
My way is hidden from the Lord. My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Have you forgotten? Do you know what? It's very, very difficult for us as with the people of Israel. When we are in the wheelbarrow, when life is uncertain, it's very difficult for us not to rely on the visible, on the tangible, apparently powerful things. It's very, very difficult for us not to rely on material things, especially in the times of recession and deprivation, of unemployment and uncertainty. The material things become precious to us. We want to hold on to them. It's very, very difficult for us, as with the people of Israel, to avoid the temptation of imported idolatry from the culture around, to withstand the idols of our age that seem so persuasive and powerful and attractive. You know, when something seems very powerful like our culture, its idols appear very attractive. I need to rely on my salary and job and pension and savings and insurance. What on earth could I do without them? I need to rely on my friends and my family and my social network. What on earth would I do without them? These are gifts of God to us. They are beautiful things, but they are not given for us for our foundations. They are not given for us for things to rely on. They are not. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. What are you relying on, my friends, really, truthfully? What will you trust in, in the year ahead? How will you respond when God asks you to get in the wheelbarrow? When things get tough, when you're tempted to trust in things you can see and touch, what are you going to rely on? But you know, verse 31, we finally get to it, uh, tells us that when we rely on God, when God alone, then the remarkable things begin to happen. Genuinely, when we trust in God and God alone, when we rely on him and hope on him and wait on him, then the seemingly impossible suddenly, unbelievably becomes impossible becomes possible. We will soar on wings like eagles and run and not grow weary and walk and not be faint. These are impossible things. We will do what seems impossible for us at this moment, but it will only happen when we rely on him alone. There was once a guy called George Mueller who lived in the early 1800s and he lived a wild life, but he um, went to college and he got impacted by God and had a remarkable transformation and and he felt that God was asking him to to be a missionary and so he told his dad he wrote to his dad and said I've been changed and I feel God's calling me to to, to be a missionary and his dad was so furious he said from that day forward he would not give him any money for 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 his tuition or for his 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 life and so he um, George Mueller went back to, to, to his college room and he knelt down and he said, God, I have nothing anymore. You are going to need to do something for me. And then an hour later, he got a knock on his door. His college tutor was offering him a paid job, a paid tuition job. And this was the beginning of a, of, of a lifetime of, and, and certainly a ministry of, of, for George of dependence and courage and faith on God alone. He went to England and became a... Um, pastor of a church 
And how they paid their, their pastors back in those days was that they rented out the first rows to rich people who sat in the front and all the poor people sat at the back. What a brilliant idea that is. You know, why don't we think of that? But of course, it was a terrible idea. And as soon as he got there, George Mueller stopped it straight away. And so he had no salary. He had nothing coming in at all. But he and his family trusted God. They never had a salary, and yet they never, never um, you know, missed one um, a meal. And they never went um, you know, one month without paying rent. And around that time, he noticed that there were loads of orphans wandering around the streets and he felt God prompt him to, to start up an orphanage and then one and then two and then three and he had but he had no money he had no influence he had no way forward he literally had two shillings in his pocket he didn't tell anyone about his, his needs but he trusted uh, God and in the next few years the equivalent of 1.5 million pounds um, you know came through for the work that he had been um, you know called to Every day, these orphanages lived by faith, every single day. And there, there um, was a story told that was indicative of what happened in these orphanages. One um, you know, morning, that the house mother came to see George Mueller and said, 300 kids are sitting there dressed for, for school. They have no food, no breakfast. So, so, so he said to her, sit them down. I'm going to come in and pray. And he came in and he prayed and he prayed, Lord, thank you for what you are going to give to us this morning for breakfast. And he, sat, he you know, sat down and waited. Everyone sat down and waited. And then suddenly there was a knock on the door and there was a, it was a local baker. And he said, Mr. Mueller, last night I couldn't sleep. I felt God say that you needed three massive batches of bread. Could you do with some bread? He said, we could do with some bread. Three or four minutes later, another knock on their door. A milkman, a passing milkman, his, his kind of cart had lost its wheel right outside their, their door. And the um, you know, milkman said, the, the um, you know, milk is going to get ruined, so do you want some milk? Could you do with some milk? He said, we could do with some milk. It fed 300 kids. And this happened over and over and over again for years and years and years with the 10,000 kids that went through his orphanages, watching and learning from a man who relied on God alone. Our verse of the year tells us that when we rely on God and God alone, when we trust on him, when we wait on him, remarkable things begin to happen. These three metaphors in this verse speak of impossible things. One, physical impossibility, and two, practical impossibilities. We will soar on wings of eagles. We will run and not grow weary. We will walk and not be faint. We will do what seems impossible for us at this moment, but it will only happen if we rely on him completely. The reality is, my friends, you and I don't rely on God Completely, really, mostly, whatever we might say. We have so many safety nets, carefully constructed, so many securities, money, relationship, jobs, savings, family networks, pensions, 
insurance, excellent sort of you know, medical cover. All these things are great blessings from God. They really are. But it takes a remarkable person to put some of these securities aside. I actually remember a friend of mine in a conference not so many years ago who was hearing a message like this and realized they had, had 9,000 pounds in their savings. That was a burden to them. That was blocking them. And I remember even now them saying over and over again, it's got to go. It's got to go. And it did go. They actually came and got rid of that 9,000 and the whole thing opened up for them. Sometimes it takes a remarkable person to put aside the um, you know, securities we have. Or sometimes the trials of life break in to show us how hollow these securities really are. What are we going to do when he asks us to get in the wheelbarrow? My friends in this year ahead, let me urge you, as I urge myself, please, please take greater risks in faith. You will never, ever regret it, I promise you. Decide that you will live by faith in some way. Decide one thing today, that you will rely on God completely. Maybe there's a great uncertainty in your life at this moment, and God is saying to you, trust me. Depend on me. I will never let you down. Trust me in the wheelbarrow. And maybe there is a great uncertainty or maybe God is asking you to create the uncertainty, actually. Take a risk to, to um, you know, remove a security so that you can rely on him alone. Only you can know what that is. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Those who hope, those who wait, those who trust in the Lord, they will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Let's just pray together as we, uh, as we end. just so aware and, and I know this in my life many 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 times that I hear some things and I think yeah that sounds about right that sounds good I put that in my locker and I'll come back to it maybe, maybe another day and I just feel at the beginning of this year as we launch as we look forward into this year that, my friends, we can't afford to put this in the locker. This is something we need to respond to now. And each of us is in a different place. Some of us are living this life of uncertainty even now. You, you feel like you're in a wheelbarrow. And this is your word from God. Trust me. Trust me. Depend on me. I will see you through. You are actually safe in the hands of your Heavenly Father. I will see you through. And then there are others of us who know that we are too safe. We are too comfortable. We have built up a whole ring of things around us to keep us safe. And the Lord is saying, do you know what? You can't rely on me with all of that stuff.
maybe some of us know what that security is that we are relying on instead of God. We know what that is. And you can even maybe even feel the battle inside you now as you wrestle with that. Let me urge you. Let me plead with you. If you choose to depend on God alone, you will never regret it. Never, never regret it. You will soar on wings like eagles. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not be faint.